Hey, everybody. It's Michelle, and I am completely cup runneth over with joy because today I get to announce that Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders is 100% done and in publication, and you can check out your copy on Amazon. And the best part, if that book moves you, if it grows your evidence-based triangle to to engage in interprofessional practice, to do the root cause analysis to why the child is presenting with the PFD, to then engage with the team to get that child to a point of healing so that the real growth can begin, then y'all check out speechtherapypd.com because they are gracious enough to entertain all of these amazing, joyful ideas. And they're currently carrying the book for 13.5 ASHA CEUs. So (sighs) thank you for being a part of the first bite journey that led to Chasing the Swallow. And be sure to check out speechtherapypd.com for the 13.5 ASHA CEUs that accompany it. Happy learning. Hi, folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional, a speech therapy podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina, and a guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate by way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields. Or, as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee by way of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. All right, so... I love you. you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Folks, that's it, y'all. That's the most perfect intro I could have mustered. We are 
live recording this evening and uh, tomorrow this gets played. And this is our for fun episode. Erin, what's the technical phrase from to paraphrase of friends? The one, what do we call this episode? The one where we get acquainted. All their the episodes one, are the one. The one. Okay, the so one this where is they the play one. football is my favorite. See, I, I don't remember. I just remember thinking that the one guy had a cute butt. What was it, Matt LeBlanc? Is that his name? Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Joey. Joey had a cute butt. That that was that was the priority there. Okay, so folks, that's what today is about. This one, full disclaimer, this one does not count for CEUs, but it dawned on Aaron and I that 164 episodes in, we haven't done one where we just kind of give like the origin story or answer questions or just kind of talk about maybe not 100 speech percent things. So tonight we're doing it while Goose and Bear are gaming on Grandma Wood's bed, which was my grandma that raised me. And it's the guest bed because I recorded in the guest bedroom, which happens to be our basement. And it's been an eventful day, even by my standards. So Erin, why don't you take it away, lady? What's the first question up? Our first question is, how did y'all meet? Which I feel like we've talked about, but there's a whole story. There is a whole story. And hold on a second, Aaron. Boo, go. Go, go, go. Knees to the chest. Move it, move it, move it. I kicked the children out. They were already whining. We made it 0.22 seconds into the episode. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty good. Okay. So how did we meet? The steps. Did you hear the stomping up the steps? That would be how we met, courtesy of Bear. Oh, yeah. You didn't remember me, though. No. Kind of remembered me. I... Okay, so full picture, Bear had all the horrible pregnancy. We've talked about that ad nauseum. But he failed. He passed his newborn hearing screen, but then pretty much failed every single hearing test until he was, what, two and a half? He'd had four hearing tests at a local audiologist's office. And on the last one, when Leslie, who is now in New Mexico, but was over at MUSC, but Leslie was my student, and I was like, hey, come watch the hearing screen or hearing test with a private practice. So you can kind of see what it looks like in the real world. And she was like, fantastic. Well, the audiologist perforated Bear's eardrum and he had blood trickling out his ear. The ENT asked me whether or not he had the autism because of his aggressive behaviors. Didn't like the fact that I said, you know, your audiologist perforated his eardrum. What the hell? And that was the G rated version of the story. So I called your, I called Juliana and I was in tears. I was like, I need help. And so her and Danielle over at USC got me in to see it was, it's Beth, right? Beth, the audiologist. You saw Nikki. Nikki. Okay. So Mm -hmm. Nikki. And she, we, I was in audiology clinic that semester and she wasn't my usual supervisor, but she like called me into her office and she was like, so I have someone coming and I need your help. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, can you help me with this family? And not in a bad way. And I was like very flattered. I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but like, I'll help you. So I go in with Bear and Brant's because Brant's was his early intervention because my anxiety was through the roof because I knew this was going to be the fifth hearing test that we were going to fail. And then they were, what additional surgeries were we going to do? And like all of the mom fears. And I was 
honey, I think I had had the poos like at least three times that morning because I was just a basket case and felt like the entire thing was my fault because by then we knew about my uterus and like all the problems and mom guilt. And there you were just so calm and talking about Disney and about a mouse and stitch. And I was like, I don't know who this beautiful woman is, but she's fabulous. And I just want his ears to check out. <laughs> so, but you were so calm and instantly knew that I was, I was hanging on by like a thread. And then I don't know well, what voodoo y'all did in the back room with him. I <laughs> know uh, it took us a while, but we did it. <laughs> it's because we a did one ear. Victim. We did one ear. He had to uh-huh. come back for the other ear, but he passed one ear. Uh-huh. Which was big. Y'all, y'all did the, the fishbowl game. We did the fishbowl game. And then the next semester, I like got you as a supervisor. And I was like, wait, maybe she remembered me. Like, I didn't know that I wanted to. I didn't think I wanted to do feeding and swallowing. I was like, that's gross. There's saliva and spit and mucus. And I don't want any of that. But Juliana like decided that she, I was she was going to give me to you. And you like we met at a where did we meet at what's that place that's really good that I forgot gourmet shop i normally had everybody no. meet me at the no, gourmet no, 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 shop the one no? that has the potato salad with the cheese on top and the oh. really good mimosas oh. oh yes they're really good and mimosas the pictures. cafe strudel in west columbia yes, yes they yes. have revolving cafe artwork strudel. and you you were like typing all this stuff and i was like so nervous because i had this, this really long walk to get to you and i think you swore already in our first meeting which is like <laughs> i mean i was driving with my meeting yesterday and threw an f-bomb out there because someone cut me off i was like oh i'm so sorry <laughs> Uh, the F-bomb might be, y'all, you have no idea how much editing goes on behind the scenes. I cussed like a sailor because my family was Navy DOD. Christian was Army. His daddy was Army. Bear came downstairs the other day. He goes, I have a situation and I would like to use bad words. I was like, can you vote? He was like, no, but the situation is bad. I said, well, then you'll have to come up with a different adjective to describe the scenario. Or when I say the B word on the phone and Goose is like, that's not that bad of a of a one. That's, that one's not that bad. <laughs> they they already have a hierarchy on um mm-hmm. the oh mm-hmm. my god, one of my students spooked me today. I was getting ready to go into the elevator to go up the stairs and she like came around the corner really quick, but it was like out of the corner of my eye. You might have PTSD from a violent ex-husband when a quick moving event out of the corner of your eye. And I was like, oh bleep, bleep, bleep. I said it really quick and she goes, Oh, Miss Dawson, I did not mean to scare you. And like it's weird when somebody calls me Miss Dawson's uh-huh. tool. Uh-huh. Then I laughed so hard I almost peed because children and uh yeah that was great so yes but that's how we met and bear did pass his hearing test and aaron was my student and where was i i was on the board owned my own private practice i don't i was mm-hmm. lecturing so i was out once a month for a week don't Thank know how we survived all that present, present elect elect? Or, i think so mm-hmm. yeah and so Anywho, we wrap with the end of the semester. And by then, I didn't have to feel guilty about calling Erin family because she's family. And she called and she left a voicemail. Please tell me you have saved that voicemail. And she said, I have an idea. We need to do a podcast. And no, I said, you need to do a podcast. No, I was driving to my practicum in Augusta and I was listening to Swallow Your Pride, which like is like, you know, the 
the first, like the, yeah, the first pot, like it really set the stage for like speech therapy podcast in general. And I was like, we love you. (laughs) I was like, Michelle, we have to, it was like, you have to do a podcast on peds. And then you called me and you were like, let's call it first bite. And I want you to like be a part of it, which was terrifying because I was a student and about to be a CF and didn't know anything. But I remember my first week with you, I like called my mom and I was like, mom, this is the best job ever. Like I just, I would call and be like, this was the best day. Like we had the best. So I was hooked. Mm. I am so proud of you. Watching you evolve, just, it has, folks, if you are not a clinical supervisor, then you are missing out. And I know I put this in so many different courses that we do, but it's like giving birth without all the necessary weight gain and post-body baby bladder issues and all the things, but watching all of y'all have gone on and done great things and make impacts in people's lives. I mean, there's you, Leslie, Stephanie, Anna Grace, I claim Myrne and Annalisa, even though they were not my students, Olivia, Sarah, who else from USC that I'm forgetting? Hannah. Um, oh my God. Maggie. Oh, my Maggie. And she moved to DC. New Aaron. New Aaron. New Aaron. Oh, my sweet new Aaron. My new Aaron who gave me the greatest Michelleified quote ever that's sitting in the bathroom. And I love it. It's all about being impassioned and being a um mm-hmm. and putting evidence-based practice into the world. Yeah, well, you new ruined Aaron, all of us. So I did. In the most delightfully badass way, y'all go out there and fight and advocate. And God, I'm so proud of y'all. And I know I'm missing more, but I've just gotten done yelling at my children this evening doing six miles on a bike. And there's been, Uh this one does not count for CEUs. So there has been a little bit of wine. So, because I knew I'd get emotional. I have a chai hard cider. It's really good. I have my standard Sauvignon Blanc with ice. Oh, uh, don't tell people that. <laughs> well, I have don't to water down my wine. Otherwise, it's your... too strong. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next question. You're embarrassing Okay. Me. <laughs> uh, How did you know that you wanted to be an SLP? I don't think we've ever answered this question. Ethan, Michael, George, my youngest baby brother. He was born with a cleft lip. Technically, he stopped, but he's my soul brother. and. I was 12 when our parents got married, started dating 13 when they got married. And Efi was four and a half. My stepmom got electrocuted during the pregnancy. Pretty moderate electrocution. Um, she was changing out a light thingy on the wall. And he was born and had dysarthria. And they're attributing the dysarthria to electrocution. And he had a cleft of his lip that he had repaired twice, but he didn't talk till he was four and a half. He started therapy when he was four and a half in the summer before kindergarten. And then he had Zwillendorf, Zindelhal was his speech pathologist. She lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I did ballet with her daughter and she got my baby brother talking. And it was the first time I'd heard of a speech pathologist and she was cool. She had 
big hair. I mean, granted it was like the nineties, but she had big hair and a killer outfit and she was vivacious and outgoing. And she got Efi talking out of nowhere. And I thought she was magical. And now Efi is six, four and plays soccer, has a degree in physics, and still has yet to put a ring on Nicole's finger, who's a phenomenal lobbyist for the National Down Syndrome Society, but he promises he will do this, but he wanted to save up to get her a really big one. So I respect that. Yeah. I do too. She's worth a big one. So, but that's what made me want to be an SLP in the first dysphagia class. I was hooked because I could not transcribe phonology. (laughs) Or phonemic alphabet. I don't even remember what it's called. I like IPA. I like that. It's like math. That's no. I don't like math. (laughs) I like the history of math, but no. Okay, what about you? I got very lucky. I had a family member or a family friend who had a stroke when I was in high school. So I like remember hearing about him going to speech therapy. And I thought that was really interesting, but I didn't like know much about it. And then I thought I wanted to be a nurse. I blame my mom, actually. She wanted me to be a nurse because she knew it had job security. And so I... But there's blood. There's blood. And I didn't want to do that. And so I thought I wanted to be a medical anthropologist and like study medicine and other... Like study medicine and other cultures and figure out how to bring like new bring medicine to other places that's culturally appropriate based on their beliefs and ideals. And that's like a really difficult job to get. And Pitt, where I went, has the number one rehab school in the country. So I knew a lot of friends that were in the speech pathology program. And I took a course and I was like, this is really cool. Like this is medicine, but also I love psychology. And it like, coupled a lot of the things I like together. And so I volunteered at the Children's Institute in Pittsburgh, which is a school for children with accessible needs, autistic children, and then children that had multiple disabilities or two different classrooms. And I'd say 80% of those children had speech generating devices. And that's, I loved it. I remember sitting next to this little boy because I would sit with him during lunch and he had an AAC device and he loved garlic powder. So the whole lunch, he would look, go on his device and say, I want garlic powder. So I had to put garlic powder on his food because the second that he couldn't see it anymore, he wanted more on there. And I just like fell in love with these kids and really went in for AAC, which I think is very rare. Like most people aren't like, I, you know, I went into speech because like, I really wanted to work with speech generating devices. And so I worked at that school for two years and didn't really want to do much feeding until I met Michelle. But once I started volunteering with the speech pathology program, I was like, oh, this is great. This is what I want to do. Okay. So if you're listening, we love feeding. And then shortly after that on our pecking order falls AAC for me. And then I'm willing to bet dual for you AAC and floor time. Because that's, yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like all three of those get lumped. Like, that's, they're all very, like a yeah. yeah. People don't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have um, recently very much fallen in love with autism and floor time. And because I always would say with AAC, I help people communicate. 
with feeding. I help people help kids eat. I help them have that relationship. And then like working recently and with all of those things I realized, but it took diving into floor time and very much like the DIR model really focuses on individual differences and development and relationship. And I was like, we teach people how to connect. Like I teach children how to connect and how to connect in a way that honors their individual differences and doesn't push them necessarily to be neurotypical. It's a neurodiverse affirming idea, but within the realm of how, I mean, we live in a neurotypical society. So, but it helps them connect in the way that they want to connect. And I really, really love that. But yeah, these things are very connected. If people want to stay in like a feeding, like, I think you can stay in a feeding bubble, but I think that you're going to be missing out and not providing as much as maybe that relate, like building that relationship is so important. And sometimes when you're too focused on feeding, you lose a little bit of that and that can make it harder for them to have progress and build that relationship with you. Okay. So yesterday I had the opportunity to see, and I haven't had a chance just to like have a moment with this. But yesterday I had the opportunity to see the policy with DOE with South Carolina come to fruition. Angie Neal, the lead SLP with the Department of Education for South Carolina, her and I did a four-hour in-service with one of the largest school districts in the state, all about the new policy that was implemented for PFD in the public schools. She talked about DOE regs, why treating, feeding, and swallowing the public schools is appropriate and supported by IDEA regulations. Huge shout out to Emily Homer for paving the absolute foundation for this um, arena. And in it, I talked about, in my portion, I talked about CPT and ICD-10 codes amongst like 400 other things. But one of them was how to ethically code and code. It was so cool because I specifically put in there that in your session, I find language and feeding just this perfect blend. And I gave them the example that Kristen West gave. Hey, Kristen, we love you. About how like when you go through the lunch line, like, and you have to order your food, you have to request your food. What if you have a child with an AAC device? Like that's your opportunity to embed functional communication, working on AAC. I mean, like even literacy, you can embed in this all while doing PFD. And like how to code for that. So I could see eyeballs in the video being like, but how? And it can be done. And the three of them go hand in hand. And you just have to make sure that your documentation supports like utilization of appropriate CPT codes, blah, technical details. But like, I thought of you the entire time I was talking about that slide. Because I was like, this is you. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Give us another question, lady. Okay, we have, do you want to go like more serious into funny or throw some like funnier questions in there? Give me a funny one and then we'll do a serious one. How about that? What's the grossest thing you've ever eaten? What's the grossest thing I've ever, it's freaking cheesy poof dipped in McDonald's sweet and sour sauce and I had to make it look like it was the greatest food I've ever had. Yeah, I've had cheese puffs dipped in peanut butter. Oh, um, no. That was pretty gross. Wait, and you no, know, I once like, 
it's loogie. Oh, that's you that, in on that one. I can't be there. Yeah. No. Well, I was doing therapy with one child and the other child. Have you, I mean, you know, when you go like a push into like a daycare and yeah, one, yeah. you're there for the one kid, but the other kid who's even more unique than the child that you're working with will find you like in the mm-hmm. classroom, that was the situation. Yeah. And that child sneeze hulked a loogie in the back of my throat while I was modeling something for the first child and I couldn't get it out of my throat. Yeah. But that was not like a willing choice. Yeah. What are the things that people, in, I've never seen these at home, but it comes in a can and it's like pork. Vienna sausages. What is that? Like, why do people eat that? Why that is bring the, these that to is, assessment? That is, okay. So on behalf of my people from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia, once upon a time, honey, that was high living. Vienna sausages with a, um, let me turn my accent on. It sounds fancy. Um, Vienna is a fancy place. It is, but this was technically, I'm pretty sure they are the byproduct leftovers after hot dogs that are scraped off the floor. You know what I learned the other day for people that are vegan? Wine is not necessarily vegan in case anyone was wondering. It's like the way that it's made. Sometimes they use animal byproduct to finish the process. I don't know what it means. I learned it on the Ologies podcast about cider. I love the If you haven't heard of the Ologies podcast, it's my favorite podcast. And they had to talk about all these random stuff. It's really good. But yeah, Vienna sausages, not great. I'm sure there's like a lot of other gross things that I've eaten. Mainly like sometimes you eat things that you're like, this was possibly near this kid's mouth. I don't really know. <laughs> But like, <laughs> uh, unsure. But maybe. So it's just, it's, yeah. Feeding therapy is much harder in COVID. I probably still do things that I'm like, oh, you know what? <laughs> it's worth it. I can it. tell you the, the grossest thing Goose has ever eaten. He sneezed into his mask one day at school. He came home. He goes, mom, there was a situation at school today. And I was like, what happened? Maybe he goes, I sneezed on my mask. And I was like, well, you have a backup mask. He goes, I couldn't get to it. I was like, well, what happened? He goes, the booger fell in my mouth. And before oh. I could get it out, because I couldn't take my mask off, I just swallowed it. And I was like, oh. oh and you know how t- he, he is. And he was so, rules. He does. He was, he was like, like, I can't take it off. There's rules. He was like, I wasn't allowed to take it off. And I just, so I just, I just ate it. But am I going to be okay? And I was like. It's protein. <laughs> That's it's what protein. I said. He was yeah. apprehensive. But Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you weren't an SLP, what profession would you be in? My retirement plan. I will own a bed and breakfast. Poor okay. Christian, he's screwed. I want a really bed and breakfast with like a really expansive garden overlooking like somebody of water, like a smaller lake. I don't want like the ocean because I don't want to deal with hurricanes and like yeah, lakes, oh, lakes, lakes all the way. lake all the way. But I want to marry people. And I think that would be okay. so much fun. Yes. So could you like, get through it though? Could you get through the ceremony without crying? No, I would I would cry in every single ceremony. But I mean, so maybe Christian would have to say the words, but like I would feed okay. the people and I would have the pretty gardens that they could get married right. in. And right. I have already designed some of it because this is our retirement plan, but I would like to that would be my expedited process. Okay. I just think that would be so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Yes. 
All right. What about you? What, what would your alternative career be? I would study social psychology. I don't know what exactly I would study. Maybe like relationships or like something. But I love social psychology. It's why I watch reality television because I like to yes. figure people out. And like I always, my therapist is always like, yeah, shocker. I have a therapist. But just kidding. my therapist is always you. like, my therapist is always like, you always have to understand. Like, why can't you just go into a conversation and not have to understand everything about the other person? And I was like, I don't know. It is who I am. But yes, that's what I would do. I took a, my favorite class I ever took in college was interpersonal relationships and then conflict resolution. It's so interesting. Like the psychology of conflict resolution. Very interesting. Makes like the world now like make sense, even though like it's frustrating. That's how you can pull me down when I'm escalating. My psychology brain. Yes, because I go... I'm a tiny, angry person. I'm you, the most oh, happy person. But- sometimes you go like very deep, dark. You'll be like, <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, let me. <laughs> I go murder me, mad. That's what Christian calls it. Let me pull you in. Let me like <laughs> reel you in now. Uh, yeah. The boys are like, is mom murder mad? And Christian's like, yeah, guys, watch out. Mom's murder mad. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not murder. Okay. I am a little murder mad, but like. I okay, I get that way sometimes. Yeah. Sam pulls me down. Sam pulls you down sometimes yes. too. Yes, she does. Sam gets double duty. Oh, bless. Yeah. See all yeah. the fun things they edit out of our normal episode. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite scrub brand? The one that Annalisa turned me on to. Med Couture? Is that it? Med Couture. They're yeah. soft. I want to try those. Yeah. They're softer than figs. Yes. Okay, so I hate buying new clothes because it causes me it gives me anxiety I am really really good at selecting books and plants and outside of that dressing myself for events is very overwhelming because I have pretty significant body dysmorphia courtesy of a ex-husband so I don't know what I look like I do like a selfie because a selfie kind of helps ground me. But looking in the mirror, I don't know what I look actually like in a mirror. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for some people, picking out scrubs is like easy peasy. But for me, this is this is like planning a vacation. Um, I have to do my research. I have to. And then I end up just calling you and Annalise and I'm like, oh, my God, what do I buy? And then she goes, oh, my God, just buy this brand. You're going to be fine. And then she tells me what size to buy. And then I just have to pick out the colors, which when I went to pick out the wine colors to match FMU, it was really, really funny because Bear was sitting next to me. He can read now. And he goes, wine, you're going to wear wine. And I was like, just stop reading oh my God. over my shoulder. Yeah. Also he can, we, do you know how hard it is to text with your husband flirtatious messages when your children can read your text messages that that's not in the mommy handbook no but you guys do that all the time i remember when i was your student and i'd be texting (laughs) on your phone like i'm not gonna i don't know i'm not responding to your husband (laughs) okay so aaron would answer my emails for me for schedule or like whatever while we're writing between patients houses and then christian would send it my husband and I flirt, <laughs> but it was pretty yeah, PG. But. It was pretty PG, <laughs> but just like, you know, 
I loved him. I know. <laughs> it took me it's a really long cute. time to find him. It's very, yes. Well, uh, say a prayer for me. So anyway. Uh, he's there. <laughs> I like high-waisted figs. I like a little what more. What does high-waisted like, mean? It goes above your belly button kind of. Okay. Love high waist. I love high waisted pants. I love clothes. That's why I help you. It took me a really long time. I didn't used to like my body and clothes. I've worked on it and now catch me wearing all the trendiest things. I don't care. It makes me happy. So it's so fabulous. That's where I'm at. And the hats. God, hats. you can rock a hat. I have yes. a big head. So I really embrace it. Let's right, give us give us a series. Wait, there was one that I remembered. What do you do when you're a fully licensed SLP and your supervisor is micromanaging every single one of your notes? Yeah. Mm. Well, is it because you're waiting for um, credentialing? That's one thing. But if it's not, then that's micromanaging and that's your license and you should be able to treat your patients the way that you want to treat them because it's under your individual license that's your patient. Yes. Beautifully worded. My gut responses, and this is your moment right here where you get to define and decide your career and which trajectory you would like. And may I consider that you reach out to the American Academy of Private Practice Speech Language Pathologists and Audiologists and consider starting your own practice. Because. See, that's where I go one direction. Michelle goes like, you know, like the big picks, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like. But this is why we make a good team, friend. This is, but yeah, but that was part of mine. I had a micromanaging physical therapist boss who I would ask hard questions and he wanted me to code unethically. And I said, no. And he was like, yeah, but you could get more money if you drop this CPT code. And I was like, that's not what I'm doing. But if you just worded this in your soap note, I'm like, but that's not do not ask me to compromise my notes because you want to get an extra $15 off of my session. No. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that I think is hard and good is that you do have your own license. So I will often, Michelle and I, I think have had more, not ethical dilemmas than most. That's not the right way to put it. But if there's an ethical question I blame Michelle, but like both her and I will address it and ask questions and fix it because that's Seek just to understand who and we advocate. are. Seek to understand and advocate. And I know I'm only three years in my career, but I've seen a lot of things and asked a lot of questions. Sometimes they've been things that were very well received and were met with understanding and a desire to change and grow. And sometimes they weren't, and that definitely impacted my decisions. But at the end of the day, the things that I would say when I would bring something up is this is my license. This is what I feel comfortable with. This is what I know to be true. And if, you know, at the end of the day, if you bill wrong or you do something wrong or it's, it is on you, you know, like that's your, it's your license. That's really yep. What is your favorite work memory? That's a really hard question. I didn't think this one through before I read all these questions. From a lifetime ago, I had this little old man that I worked with. It's an adult one, but it was it's one of my favorite. He was dying. And wearing my empath hat 
you could feel it happening, but he emanated joy and a life well lived. And you could feel his faith and his God, he was, he freaking glowed. And I would go in and I was treating him at the hospital. It was very, very, very fast, very sudden. Like, I can't even remember. It was like a, it wasn't dementia, but it was like, you know, one of those that can drag on for years, but all of a sudden he just got really sick really quick. And I had this cute little clunky wooden bracelet that had brass like hammered into it. Anyways, I had taken it off to help reposition him in his bed and I didn't want it to tear his skin because, you know, he had frailer skin. I guess I left it in his hospital room. Anyways, he died that night and it was the very first patient funeral I ever went to. And there I am up at the at the visiting hour and his son pulled me over to the side and they didn't know that I was going through what I was going through because I was in the process of leaving my ex and I was very raw. And he said, you left this in my father's room and my father made me promise to give it to that beautiful young lady that was making him happy. And I took it back and I put it on and bloody hell, I don't know where that bracelet is now, but it just, that's when it clicked for me, the power of a meal for bringing joy. And it, I mean, every bite that a kid successfully manages, all of those, but just that little old man who was, he was a tall drink of water laid up in that bed. Oh, also there's this one older man who is like 99 and a retired professor from William and Mary. And he had a very mild stroke, but he let me drive his sports car because country hospitals, that all happened in the same week. This is the things that happen in country hospitals, but Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. I thought the power of Emil would bring joy. Hmm. I really can't follow that one, Michelle. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It was. I should have gone first. Okay. Well then. No. Um, no. I have two. Okay. I have two quick ones. If you guys listen to the episode that we did with Karen, my coworker, my favorite was we talked about the day that. Our patient came and decided that he wanted to be the Pixar lamp. It took (laughs) us a full session, but he came in and like had this idea and we worked so hard to create this idea that he had of becoming this character through language and through relationship because he had this trust that I was going to help him figure this out. And that was he, I mean, he was the child that made me fall in love with autism. Like he forever, I will never forget that child. Like I, he made me realize the power of play and relationship. And like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I didn't think that I would want, you know, I didn't think I was going to be the therapist that was like, I love autism, like truthfully. And I don't know why I thought that I was like, I'm only going to see them medically complex kids and like, going to be hardcore and like it is it's great and I love them too but that like very much that patient specifically like very much altered my path and I remember my other favorite you know supposed to have favorites favorite patient (laughs) that I took over from Michelle who I had as a student who 
had a toxic CP. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. She had a toxic CP. Mm-hmm. And I remember like having her as a student and it was that little one who I realized function. She was the child that like I realized like feeding didn't have to look the same in everyone and like the power of waiting and allowing patients to heal because it took her nine months to be able to start PO and like, you know, just heal from all the trauma that she had been through when she was born. And then to see her running around eating fully by mouth, communicating in three word phrases and having quite a bit of attitude was just like, this beautiful, like from student to then like seeing her develop and seeing how that is possible, how children are like these beautiful, wonderful, like miracles, just that like whole memory in and of itself was like very, those two patients I will forever like remember as like changing the way that I viewed things. Hmm. God, I'm happy that we're speech pathologists. I know me too. It's the coolest job. Who's the better cook? Like, that's not like everyone should know. Oh, that's easily me. Erin, I fed her most of her way through grad school and her CF. CF. To be fair, my family. You did supply the wine. (laughs) I supply the wine. And the men cook. Like, my family, the women do not do the cooking. I love you, mother. (laughs) But my mom makes things that are really great in, like, one pot. Like, pastas, dips, casseroles. She's great at, but like anything else, like the met my uncle cooks, my other uncle cooks, my stepdad cooks, my papa cooks. Like it just, just what it. I'm just gonna need to find a man that can cook and that appreciates I can make really good grilled cheese and that I know how to pick out restaurants. Like I'm great at that. I'm a foodie. You are not excellent at selecting restaurants because I'm Thank the you. one that's I will like- eat anything. I will eat anything. As a child, I would eat olives, like a one year old. I was eating olives. Still my favorite food. I keep olives in the house for you at all times. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. What do you types listen of to? Yeah, different types of olives. My favorite are Castellano olives, the little tiny red, dark green ones. They're the best. Blue cheese, great. Jalapeno stuffed olives, also great. If anyone needs food recommendations, I'll give them to you. Just can't make them for you. What do you listen to while you're driving to a patient's house? If it's not phone calls with me or you. One, Kayla Radio. I love my Christian radio station. <laughs> the boys are like, they're like, mom, we love the Jesus music, but can we listen to daddy's rock and roll? And I'm like, mm, this is, they, they're, yeah. But um, I listen uh-huh, to Caleb uh-huh. or what is that? Star Talk Radio with Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's my favorite astrophysicist followed by Miko Kachu. Yes. The fact that you have favorite astrophysicists is crazy. This is, Oh, yes, because one of them, well, yes, because one talks about string theory. One of them is a really good orator on explanation of like basically how physics works in general. But like he wrote a really good book, Astrophysics for Kids. This is the stuff I read to like I know. put my I know. brain to sleep. But I like that one. You have Hooks Me on Ologies, but the other one is 99% Invisible, which is the history mm-hmm. of design of everything. Oh my God. I love 99% invisible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What yeah, about you? Ologies. Um, Cause you got me hooked on ologies. Great. Love to like learn about random things and pull out random facts and like mm-hmm. group settings, you know, like about like mm-hmm. rant, like they have podcasts on everything. 
my taste in podcasts is similar to my taste in television. So I like <laughs> you like the murder drama ones. <laughs> no, I don't actually like murder podcasts, surprisingly. But I listen to like Girls Gotta Eat, which is all about relationships. Because like, why not? Like, you know, learn more about my stuff. I also really like there's this podcast called Scrubbing In that I watch The Bachelor. It's a girl from The Bachelor, and then this other girl who's on the morning show with Ryan Seacrest and she's just like a bundle of like beautiful energy and I love her and just like she's very I just I like her energy she's wonderful but then sometimes if I'm like falling if I'm like in a if I'm more tired I will like put on some music which I prefer country music or if I'm like really in the need to like just like I'm angry Taylor Swift is always a really good one to just like belt out some like aggression mm, that's where i go to led zeppelin or dropkick murphy's see that music stresses me out like old school rock like really like just doesn't it like makes me anxious i don't know why <laughs> it's just each teacher it's not my vibration as i would say no people put out vibrations christian's dad made goose a series of cds to play in his boombox because apparently he's old enough to do this and he comes downstairs he goes mom have you heard of this band called the beastie boys i was like have i heard of this band are you for real right now yes mommy has heard of the beastie boys and they're amazing he goes yeah i really like their beats and then he goes up the stairs beatboxing and i was like who is this eight-year-old this is not my child but yes that made me rediscover my inner youth with like rancid and like no yeah and um, no i can't like my sister makes playlists for me because like i like other music i just don't have the time to like find it like i love like who do i listen to i don't remember anymore but um also and i can't really listen to books on tape because like my mind Mm, wanders i can't can't do audiobooks I need the visual, but also Heather McMahon is really funny. If anyone like, if you don't follow her on Instagram, just you should, cause she has a really funny podcast. I don't play it for my students cause she's a little like inappropriate sometimes, but it's funny for myself. Wait, the student or Heather McMahon? Because I know the student and she's not inappropriate. <laughs> no, no. Heather McMahon. <laughs> Heather, Heather McMahon. McMahon. Yeah. What do you listen to when you type your notes? Because when I type my notes or, and I'm working like, at my oh. desk, I uh-huh. have to listen to classical music, heavy violin. Oh, I've gotten into instrumental country. What? Like country music. Thing. Like, like right now, country music hit songs, but they do like instrumental. I can't do like, I can do podcasts sometimes if I'm typing. When I'm home, I put on friends because I know everything so well. Cola, don't claw my chair. I know the episode so well. So like, it like activates, I mean, it like shuts off part of my brain. Actually, I do the best typing notes when I sit out in the hallway of the clinic and just like have the noise of other kids and stuff walking around, but it's just like enough distraction, but not too much distraction. So that usually works really well for me. All right. Two more because I promised the boys I would put them to bed. (laughs) How this one, we, I don't know if we're the best people to answer this. How do you keep a good home work-life balance? kidding me i say two more because i have to put the kids to bed and then you give me that one oh okay so i have gotten really really good i commute four days a week and it's an hour and 15 minutes to my university and i have and i love my university which is why i commute So I schedule my consultations because if you ever message me on Instagram, I've said, here's my cell phone number. Call me this morning on the way to work or 
talk to me afterwards, but I've gotten much better at, and honest to goodness, it's taken a significant amount of prayer to get there, but I do work calls on the way to work and on the way home from work. And when I'm home, I try to do everything in my power to be present. And honestly, I like hide myself in from myself, which isn't really hard because like ADD, ADD, I forget what, like where I put it down, but I give it to Christian and I'll say, here you go. And then I just like fall off the radar, but it makes me more present at home. And I've gotten better at scheduling the podcast for recording. Like I do it Sunday afternoon during nap time and Monday nights. And that's taken me time to get to that point where I can say, Hey, I have these other things instead of, cause I'm always forever the yes person, but that has made me more present. But we also, we have a family prayer and every night it's put us where you want us in all aspects of our lives. Give us insight and understanding to do the job that you have called for us to do wisdom, strength, stamina, endurance to do it as it needs to be fulfilled. And my six-year-old and our eight-year-old have it memorized, but hi, those words have profound impact for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm working on that. Um, <laughs> I used to be really good at balance. Like I used to be very, very good and feel like I had a very balanced life. And I would even get annoyed at people in grad school when all they could talk about was school and speech. I have since become that person. So um, this is a work in progress. COVID, I think, made it hard. I mean, I moved to Greenville in the middle of COVID. So I was the only people I really saw were my coworkers who I love, but I didn't really have the ability to grow my circle elsewhere and like develop other interests because I didn't know anybody here. I was new to this area. So I'm working on it. My people are really, really important to me. You love deep. I love you love you love very deep. deep, sometimes to a fault. So I do balance like I do have a lot of people that I like my people are everywhere. I have best friends and family across the country. Um I mean across the world, honestly. Yes, because the boys are like, Miss Erin needs to come home. I'm like, Miss Erin's in Colorado visiting one of her ladies. And like, eventually, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so I, you know, I have a pretty good balance of like people and I do spend a lot of time on the phone. So my goals this year, the goal this year has been to focus on me and what I need and boundaries and saying no. So I will get back You're to you bored. on that question. Your the board, the energy board, the board that you made in January, my vision, vision board, board, dream board. board. Yes, yep, board. yes, yep, yep. Jake Gyllenhaal's on there. So if anyone looks like Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> or you know, just kidding. <laughs> okay, our last question that was from Noelle, which I really, really love. She said, "What do you think it is about you or your therapeutic?" presence that your clients really appreciate and what about you works for them which I'm in a course that's very reflective and I'm very very like big right now on therapeutic presence and sense of self because we don't talk about it in the speech pathology world so I really love this question and I'm going to make you go first all right let me crunch my eyes it doesn't mean it works for everybody because we all know 
that no. like we've gotten fired before. We've talked about this. <laughs> we, Michelle we, and I we may have. have gotten fired twice <laughs> from the same patient in the reverse order. So, <laughs> so I am comfortable knowing that if you need me as your therapist, I may be the therapist that you need, but not necessarily the therapist that you want. Because if you need me, then you probably have all the things and all the balls have been dropped. Nobody knows where to go. And that's where I excel. If you give me a case that's been basically solved and all I have to do is treatment, I'm bored. I need the hunt. I need the thrill of the hunt. And I love the bond. And I love how I wear my empath hat and I turn that on. And I try to explain from the second I pull into the driveway, from the second they could possibly see eyes on me, I have to change my tempo, my rhythm, my rate to match what they need in that moment. It's like theatrics. It's like stage presence. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say you like, I don't mean this because I don't want it to sound bad because like this could sound bad. There's a better terminology. You don't force yourself on anyone, but you also don't take no for an answer. So like you don't let them say no, like you give them what they need, but there's no time or place for them to like question it. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. Because people will say, you come, oh, but I don't you think come in, like you come in strong, but like, you're not, yeah. it's not too We're much going to go harsh. here. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's, you take the reins from these mamas and these caregivers that have like been asking for answers and you make them feel safe and confident that like, this is going to get done. Empowered. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because for so long, they've been like, why can't my kid eat this? Why are we not doing this? Who do I need to go see? And then I come in mm -hmm. and I act as the service coordinator. That's what it is. I act as the service coordinator when they're a technical service coordinator who may or may not have degree in anything to do with anything that is relevant. RAR, early intervention program. I come in and I coordinate the services and I do it quickly and I do it swiftly. And for the most part, I like to think that I do it efficiently. Sometimes I cock it all up, but like... It's got to get done and it has to get done in an expedited fashion when most of the wait list to the referral places are six months out. And I don't have time for that because I have a kid that has a failure to thrive diagnosis and we're watching the weight tick down, but at the same time, the rashes increase. And why is nobody else seeing this and how come nothing's getting resolved? And I have a stressed out parent. So you know what? I can come in and say, all right, this is what I'm seeing. We need to go here. And then I can translate those signs and symptoms into digestible bite-sized, no pun intended, forms for the nurse who then relays it over to the physician. And because I've done that for an extended period of time, yeah. I have an established reputation where they're like, just, you know, she's a lot when she comes in and wants to send you everywhere, but hang with her for the answers. And it's so cool because on the, it looks I must look like the Tasmanian devil when I roll in in scrubs and beaded jewelry because my boys make me necklaces and I'm going to wear them because if a child makes you jewelry, you rock that. And I'm comfortable with myself to be that person. It's really, really humbling and cool to see the good that's yielded on the other side of that. I don't even know what the original question was. 
Your therapeutic <laughs> presence, but you got there. It yeah, Tasmanian there. devil in jewelry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, not quite. No, no, no. <laughs> I love you. Self-deprecating humor. Please tell mm-hmm. Maria I said I'd stopped. Okay. All right. Your therapeutic presence. You are awesome to watch, but you answered that. <laughs> you scared me. I was like, what are you going to say? No, um, it's like watching you with the families. You have the most perfectly timed pause. You ask a question and then you just wait. But yeah, it's cool. I um, I think I move like... I'm someone that is a very, like, I like to observe. So when I walk in, I'm very, I try to be very gentle and I try to move slowly because I'm kind of watching how the dynamic and how the family reacts to what I'm doing. I think I've learned how to alter my tone and in a multitude of ways, like I try and explain to my student to do with our patients, but I try to do it with families. I am similar to Michelle and then I am an empath. So I feel very deeply what my patients and my families are feeling. And so I combat that by like being much softer to try and never push too far. But I can tell if a family is ready for for kind of more of an straight answers. Like, I think I'm very good at reading what the family needs similar to Michelle, but I will move a little bit more slowly. I think, um, with my autistic kids, I don't know. I think I like to think I can connect. Connecting with people is probably the easiest thing for me in different ways. Like I relate to everybody and can pretty much under try to understand why people are doing what they're doing. And so even with my autistic children who sometimes don't understand themselves why they're doing what they're doing, I think I do a really good job of like making them feel heard. And so I can pull out the emotion, I can pull out the affect, and I can bring that in when they need it. But I do start out pretty soft and pretty gentle and let them feel warm. And I like to open up to my families too, because I think it makes them feel like they can open up to you. But I also acknowledge that I'm not a parent. And so I try to make sure that they understand that like, I acknowledge that I see that I'm not trying to tell you how to parent, but like, I'm here, I'm on your team. This is what we're doing. I love it when you give use goose and bear as examples. Oh yeah, they're like my the closest thing I have to kids. <laughs> yes. But your therapeutic presence, you I remember when you were my student, I exited a car and I was coming around, I think we were at Lowe's because whenever we had a patient cancel plants, right? So I'm gonna go to Lowe's mm-hmm. and we were at Lowe's and you were like you were like, Michelle, but did you see how it was our the kiddo that we did I treated the little sister and the brother mm-hmm. and you were like, but did you see how the mom was acting about X, Y, and Z? And I was like, no, I didn't. And you were like, yeah. And I remember looking at you and I was like, that psych undergrad is going to help you so much. And you were like, wow, thank you. But you just, it's the relationship piece. You have an uncanny ability to, grasp and comprehend how a relationship 
between the caregiver and the child, between the caregiver and their partner, between the caregiver and maybe their parents, or even with other team members, you can read the dynamics between the other interprofessional practice partners and know how to navigate that, which has, I mean, served you incredibly well because your ability to network with and forging new IPB team members in different cities, that's just, it's phenomenal. You make me slow down, which is hard to do. So thank you. You make me better. I love you. Thanks. I love you. This was fun. We should do this like once every six months or once a year at least. That would be fun. Answer questions. Yes. Okay. Answer questions. Yep. So we'll do this again in six months. And y'all, thank you for hanging with us. I know we've missed a week or two, but honestly, this mom has had a very full plate between going to Mississippi and Goose being on COVID quarantine. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't have COVID. And then going to Alaska, Alaska. and then coming back. Also, huge shout out to Melissa and Brianne in Mississippi. Melissa, dear friend, thank you for being you. God, thank you for being you. And Mary in Alaska, Mary and Jennifer, but Mary, you just... You just showed up and took care of me. Y'all, when I go lecture for a full day, I am emotionally strung out because I'm pouring my muchness. I view this as how I can tithe my time. And I am, I literally pour everything I have into that eight hour presentation. And I am so empty. It's like a vessel is just wrung dry. And every single time I hit that point, the good Lord always sends an angel to intervene. And I was kind of running low even when I went out these last two lecture tours just because of work, home life balance, spelling tests are hard. We're still trying to do school in a pandemic. And then Melissa and Mary just showed up. Mm-hmm. Right time, right place. Mm-hmm. And I know you were worried because you were like, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle gets some sleep, but yeah. So thank you Here's what we're missing. Come see Dr. Reva Barwelli and I um, talking about transitional foods on Friday at ASHA. And I believe it is Friday, November 19th. We should probably finish writing that lecture, but Friday, November 19th at 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, we'll be talking about transitional foods. And then please be sure to come by and see Aaron and I at the speechtherapypd.com booth and bring your copy of Chasing the Swallow so that Aaron and I can sign that thing because it would not have happened had it not been for a significant amount of Miss Aaron and Miss Annalisa and Miss Sydney and Miss Mern, but Aaron helping doing a dramatic amount of efforts. So kudos to you. Thank you, lady. We did it. We did it. You did good, kid. So, all right. That's all we got. Have a loverly evening. Wait. Oh, please do a a review. That's the last thing I was supposed to remember to say. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We do love reviews of the podcast and we do love reviews of the book, Chasing the Swallow, now available on Amazon. Dun, dun, dun. Along with literally everything else. You can buy a house on Amazon now. Did you know that? No, scary. Yeah. I mean, kind of terrifying, but I am kind of curious. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you.
everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Feeding Matters guides system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. So what is this alliance? The Alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the Alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. Hey, so it's Michelle Dawson here, and I need to lay out my disclosure statements. So uh, if you ever wondered how bad my ADD, ADHD, and lack of sleep Monday through Monday actually is, well, here you go. These are my non-financial disclosure statements. I volunteer with Feeding Matters. I'm a former treasurer with the Council of State Association Presidents. I'm a past president with the South Carolina Speech Language Hearing Association. I am a current member of both ASHA and Skisha. And uh, for this year, for 2021, I volunteered for the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Planning Committee for the ASHA 2021 convention. My financial disclosures. Okay. All right. So I receive compensation for first bite presentations, as well as talking teletherapy and understanding dysphagia from speechtherapypd.com. I also receive royalties from speechtherapypd.com for ongoing webinars that I have on their website, as well as compensation from PESI Incorporate for a uh, lecture course that a webinar that I have on their website as well. I am coordinator for clinical education and clinical assistant professor for the Masters of Speech Language Pathology program at Francis Marion University in Florence, South Carolina, for which I receive an annual salary. I also receive royalties from the sale of my book, Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders that I self-published and is available on Amazon. And I do receive royalties from the accompanying 13 and a half hour CEU for the book from speechtherapypd.com. So yeah, I stay pretty busy, but those are my financial and non-financial disclosures. If you ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out. All right. Thanks y'all. Bye.